when I moved, I found a new local yarn store and I went in to buy yarn and they had an entire room of fiber for spinning, roving, wheels, spindles, all the equipment you would need. And there was someone in there, an employee actually spinning on her wheel. And that's when I had the moment of that looks super zen and I want to give it a whirl. I'm Sasha Torres, spinning teacher, fiber dyer, and founder of SheepSpot, where we help you make more yarns you love with beautiful hand-dyed fiber and accessible and comprehensive online spinning instruction. These days, I can make just about any yarn I can imagine, but believe me, I was not a natural spinner. When I started spinning, I really struggled to make yarns I liked, let alone loved. But many skeins and hand-spun projects later, spinning now lets me express my creativity and quiet my mind, no matter how crazy the world around me gets. I created the SheepSpot podcast to give you quick, actionable strategies that will help you level up your yarn making so that you can create yarns you love faster, more easily, and with less frustration. If you're an inquisitive hand spinner, you are in the right place. And I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello there, sheep spotters. Welcome to episode 78 of the Sheep Spot podcast. I have another interview for you this week. This time I'm talking with my student and Sheep Spotters Society member, Alyssa Kilinowski, about her spinning journey. And we will get right to the interview in a second. But first, I want to remind you that the One Fiber Five Ways Spin Along is starting on Friday, March 5th. That's right around the corner. I don't know where February went. Uh, And I really want you to join us for this spin along slash challenge thingy. Um, One Fiber Five Ways is where we take a single braid of fiber and we spin it in, you guessed it, five different ways. So for each of the spinning methods that we're going to use, there's a little instructional video. I'll also be doing some Instagram lives to answer questions that you may have. It's a really great way to fine-tune your drafting, learn more about the impact that different drafts will have on your final yarn, and to try or to practice some, uh, some new drafts. So If you are a member of the Flock, SheepSpot's free online community for intrepid spinners, just go ahead into the Flock and look at, uh, sorry, click on courses in the main menu and you should see One Fiber Five Ways. Just click through and sign up so that you'll get access to everything. If you are not yet a member of the Flock, why not? Why not, dude? Uh, It's the nicest group of hand spinners on the interwebs. And all of the One Fiber Five Ways materials are going to live in the flock. So if if you haven't joined us yet in the flock, just go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y, 
slash one, the number one, fiber five, the number five ways. So that's bit.ly slash one fiber five ways, all one word. And go ahead and sign up to join us because we're going to have tons of fun. People really loved this challenge the last time I did it. So you don't want to miss out. Without further ado, let us get now to the interview with Alyssa. Hi there. Hey. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I love the relationship between your, which unfortunately the podcast viewers will not be able to see, between your sweater and your hair. (laughs) Yeah, it's actually kind of difficult because my hair changes a lot. So there's some clothing items that I can't wear with certain hair colors because it's too, too much. But this is harmonic. This is harmonizing beautifully. Yeah, I think that the pink adds a little yep. nice touch with the sweater, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, how you doing? I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm I'm, I'm loving doing these. They're incredibly fun. So okay, good. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so uh, you want to introduce yourself to the. To the- Sheep Spot podcast audience. Sure. Uh, so, your name and you know where you okay. are and okay. Um, oh, I'm sorry. This is going to happen. There's a cat here now, which is yeah, which is very good. Um, as long as they're allowed to be in the room, they're quiet. But if I try to shut them out, shut the door, they'll just cry. So mm-hmm. at least they're quiet now. And what is this person's name who's okay. joining us? So this is Hank. We have we have okay. three. Uh, and Hank's the neediest one. So he's the one that has to be in the Zoom calls all the time. Um, so, uh, okay. So my name is Alyssa Kilinowski. Uh, I am uh, a graduate student at the University of Kentucky. And um, in addition to being a student, uh, I have a lovely husband, three fur babies, all cats. And um, I use spinning and knitting as basically a decompression and creative outlet from day-to-day grad school life. Which is a, it's good to have a creative outlet and a way to decompress because grad school is hard. And you're, you're in the sciences, am I right about that? Yeah, so I'm studying um, animal behavior and sort of how how animals choose where to live and how that can affect the overall population. Um, So like, will it survive as we increasingly cut down portions of forests? Or if we try to reintroduce some individuals, will they stay where we put them or are they likely to move? Oh, wow. Um, So fascinating. Yeah, so I'm, I do a lot of lab work. Uh, I work with an insect right now that has no conservation concerns, um, but I, it's really useful for testing the ideas mm-hmm. so that hopefully the ideas I'm looking into can then be used by on-the-ground managers for these um, species of conservation interest. Cool. Very cool. So did you, had, what, what made you think, oh, I'm going to learn to spin now as my way of decompressing from graduate school? So I never actually thought about spinning as a way to decompress. I had learned to knit. And then um, in, I wrote notes on this because I couldn't remember the years. It was so long ago. In 2010, I first wanted to make thrummed mittens. Mm-hmm. And um, if anyone's not familiar, thrummed mittens and thrummed socks are basically knitted items where um, every couple of stitches you use a bit of roving. Uh, and so that it basically creates a really woolly lining 
in the Mm -hmm. mittens. And so they're super warm. So I found a local yarn store that had roving and I had no idea what it was. And I went in and they kind of explained, oh, we sell it for spinning. And it just went right over my head what spinning was. And then when I moved, I found a new local yarn store and I went in to buy yarn and they had an entire room of fiber for spinning, roving, wheels, spindles, all the equipment you would need. And there was someone in there, an employee actually spinning on her wheel. And that's when I had the moment of that looks super Zen and I want to give it a whirl. That is, that's a great story. I also have a roving story. My roving, my spinning um, origin story starts with a hunt for roving, not for spinning, but for felting actually. Oh yeah. And, um, and so I went to the place where they had the roving and there was someone spinning there and I saw someone spinning for the first time in my life. And I was like, oh yeah, that, yeah, that. that was, I need, that, I need some of that. It was yeah. very much of that looks <clears throat> intriguing and fun and just so, so relaxing that mm-hmm. it, it just instantly grabbed me. <clears throat> so how did you get started? So, um, I found through that local yarn store and the local guild, um, a drop spindle class. And I tried that first, um, just cause the people I talked to at the store said you should try on a spindle before you try on a wheel. Cause the concepts are a bit easier to f- see and understand mm-hmm. um, things like watching the twist go into the fiber. Um, so I tried the drop spindle class and it was okay. Uh, I struggled a lot. I, I then followed that up later that year with a wheel class And that's when something clicked and it just something that I wasn't getting in the drop spindle magically happened in the wheel. And I fell in love with wheel spinning. So to this day, I still haven't really mastered the drop spindle. I can park and draft and that's it. And I only spin on my wheel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I tried to start with the spindle, I I don't think I would have gone on with it. Um, I mean, now I love spindle spinning, but it definitely, I don't think it would have it would have felt too slow. I think if, when I started, I mean, the wheel was slow enough, believe me. So. (laughs) Yeah. And, and it was, it was very slow, but it was just something I couldn't get the hand rhythm in a vertical position. I couldn't get Mm -hmm. my hands to have the right rhythm, but as soon as I changed my hand position, drafting all of a sudden clicked. So maybe now that I have more experience, I should go back and try it again. But uh, it was just, yeah, it was really tough to try to learn spinning on a drop spindle Mm -hmm. yeah so was it so you um you took this class this wheel spinning class um was it just one session or were there multiple sessions it was two sessions uh two three-hour sessions And um, the first session was a lot of, let me introduce you to parts of a wheel. We'll sit you down in a bunch of them. And we just freestyle pedaled to see which wheel felt that felt nice and comfortable. And then Mm -hmm. that's what we used for the rest of the class. So it was a a lot of get to know the wheels. And honestly, I forgot most of it (laughs) right after that first class. Um, And so we focused on just making a consistent singles with some, uh, I think they called it Heinz 57, some generic mid-range yarn or mid-range fiber. And we made all our singles. And then we came back the next weekend and Mm -hmm. we were introduced to how do we ply and finish our yarns. And so did you buy a wheel immediately? How did that happen? 
so no, being a graduate student, we have very tight budgets. So um, I stuck to uh, drop spindling, even though I took the wheel class and I loved it. I stuck to using my drop spindle probably for the next year and a half. And then I got uh, a Kiwi 2 for Christmas mm-hmm. in 2015. And that's, that's still the primary wheel that I have. That is my workhorse. I've bought all the flyer attachments. So I have a great range mm-hmm. of ratios. Um, and uh, I just, I love that wheel. And it's a great all around sort of wheel for the, the things that I do. Great. That is great. And I, huh. So I didn't know that there were other fly- how is this possible that I didn't know this but I didn't know that there were other flyers available for the kiwi but it's good for me to know that because people often ask me about them um so but you yeah, feel like you've got enough of a range yeah I don't know how the um original kiwi and there's a new one the kiwi three just came out I think this year um so I don't know how they're set up but there is um a whole other mother of all that you can attach to get like a, an art yarn jumbo bobbin set up mm-hmm. um and then the the um for the kiwi two it comes with a 5.5 and a 7.5 ratio and then you can buy what they call the high speed flyer. I don't think mm-hmm. it's really that high speed. It's a 7.25, a 12 and a 15 to one ratio. So it's a pretty decent range unless you want to, I don't, you know, unless you want to spin like cotton, maybe, I don't know if right. you'll be able to get that, but for all the wool, it's a perfectly serviceable range. Yeah. That's yeah. Good to know. Thank you. Um, so uh, do you have any advice for your beginning spinner self? Oh, I would say worry less about consistency. <laughs> Don't be so neurotic. <laughs> I was really a perfectionist when I started spinning. And if it didn't, if it wasn't perfectly smooth, I really was disappointed in it. But honestly, I've revisited some of those early yarns and they, they knit up perfectly serviceably mm-hmm. and, and, and they look really good and no one knows except for me how disappointing they are. Everyone still right. loves them and compliments them. And, uh, and, you know, some of the slubby yarns that I made when I was learning, I really struggle to make now <laughs> as I'm trying to learn yeah. how to relearn how to make art yarns. Um, you know, all the beautiful art yarns I was making when I first started, I can't, I can't get back to that intentionally. And so just, you know, embrace those and and love them for just what they are. Yeah, that's yeah. And I mean, I think it's particularly hard, if I may say so, for academics, you know, because, because graduate school is all about perfecting a thing, like learning how to write an article or, you know, do a particular kind of research. And it's, it's, I think, really useful to have a, an area of your life in which that is not the kind of ruling principle of whether or not your time is well spent, whether you produce a perfect thing. So, yes. Yeah. And, and I will say, you know, in grad school, especially in the sciences, right? When you, when you write a paper, it's very formulaic. There's rules you have to follow. Right. And, you know, if you're doing lab protocols, it's very formulaic again. And so I sort of, I had that attitude that I brought to my early spinning and Mm -hmm. uh, I would tell my younger self that, you know, it's okay to just, there aren't really that many rules. It's okay if it doesn't work exactly the way you were shown, you can come up with your own way to do things and, and you can 
create really interesting results without following strict rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, you get sometimes really interesting things when you break the rules, really interesting results when you break those rules. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I, I, since I was in the humanities in graduate school, I was in an English department. Um, there was less emphasis on sort of, I mean, in some ways this was a bad thing too, but there was less f- emphasis on, you know, following a certain sort of preordained step, set of steps in order for your thing to count as whatever it was, a dissertation chapter or talk or whatever. Um, but that perfectionism piece was definitely, it's like, just sh- until you're, until you're sure that you have something useful to say, just shut up. You yes. know, there were, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of that. Yeah. I will say the beauty of spinning and learning to embrace those little imperfections has also helped my academics. It's helped me get to a point where I'm less scared to send an early draft to my advisors because I'm spinning has taught me that, you know, there is a process that you go through and, you know, what you start with in the beginning isn't great, but it's really good to have a starting point that you can learn from. And so I think it's really helped me in my job being a little less worried about that perfectionism that we've been talking about and just embracing the draft and the learning process. Yes. And speaking as a person who has taught graduate students and has been on the receiving end of those drafts, really, you just want the person to be writing. Like you just want work to be happening. And then you can like, then you can fine tune and adjust and do all that stuff. But if, if it's, if, and I, I had an amazing writing block in graduate school. I went for like, I don't know, I had a lot of incompletes. Um, and nowadays they would, they would just have tossed me out, but it was, you know, it was the eighties. So, um, <laughs> because I was, I was so paralyzed about, you know, um, having something worthwhile to show people and really what I just needed to do was get going. Yes. So I'm really, that's, that makes me happy. That makes my heart happy. that It's had that effect on, on you in your graduate program. So do you have a favorite fiber? Do you have like, what do you love to spin the most? Um, I don't have a favorite. I mean, I guess I could say I really prefer to spin wools, but I have yet to find one that's my favorite. Uh, I've been working over the past year with experimenting with different breeds. Mm-hmm. And honestly, through your breed school and through my own experimentations, I, I can't pick just one because they're all good at different things. So I really, and I think I've said this to you before, I'm very much a process spinner. Uh, I, I find the act of spinning very relaxing and whether or not I actually use the fiber to make a garment or not, I try to knit with it, but it's just <clears throat> the spinning itself is meditative. And um, so, you know, it doesn't matter what wool I'm spinning, just so long as I, I have that that thing to work with and that moment of, of peace. Okay. How about your default yarn? Do you have a default yarn? Yeah, I, I usually do short forward draft with some mm-hmm. twist in the draft zone. Um, I generally make three plies because I, I like to knit cables and um, I've recently gotten into color work. So I really like having crisp stitches. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tend to make either three plies or chain plies if I'm working with, you know, something that's got some color in it so I can keep the stripes. Okay. All right. And what, what weight would you say your default is? Um, it's somewhere between like a, a fingering and a, and a worsted usually. 
Okay. And so you've said that you, do you do any weaving or crochet or is it, or is it just knitting for you? It's just knitting. Uh, I've looked at weaving. I think it's beautiful. I don't know if I can take on another hobby. (laughs) Right. Uh, and, and I tried crochet once and I was horrible. I couldn't wrap my mind around one stick. I, something about only having, (laughs) having one stick just really throws me off. And, uh, you know, I think I'm just, I think I'm just a knitter. That's just who I am. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I know exactly what you mean about the crochet thing. It's like, well, I have this whole other hand. What's, you know, like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is weird because I learned to crochet before I learned to like, there was a big crocheter in my family and she taught me to crochet and I made many granny squares in my childhood. Um, But now it just feels completely, just completely foreign. So yeah, well, maybe you can get a, maybe you'll, you'll get a job and you will maybe get a little rigid head of loom and experiment with that. Yeah, maybe. We might need to get a bigger house first because I've already filled this craft room with fiber. So I need more space for a loom. Well, the thing about the rigid heddle, though, is they're really small and they kind of fold up and you can put, put them oh, on the shelf. Yeah, okay. no, that's it's a it's a good thing. Um, so tell me about your favorite hand spun project and what you love about it. Oh, I brought, it, I brought it to show. Uh, I'll describe it since this is an audio mm-hmm. media. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it is a sweater. It's the Modest Pullover um, by Ashley Rao from Interweave Knits in winter 2015. So it's um, a full length sweater. It goes down to my hips. It's got sort of a boat neck style Mm -hmm. and um, it has some twisted stitch patterning kind of under the neckline a little bit. And it was designed to be a three quarter length sleeve. Um, I made it so that it stopped just before my elbow because I was running out of fiber. Um, And this is the first large project I made with my hand spun yarn. So it's the first time I spun a really large quantity of yarn. And it's the first time I knit something really big with my hand spun. Um, The color is a really nice stripey. It goes through multiple shades of blues. Um, Mm -hmm. So you get a a beautiful sky, light blue, a deeper navy, and then a a nice coppery orange. Um, The fiber is a merino silk blend uh, from Round Mountain Fibers back when they used to dye fiber and yarn, and now they only dye yarns. Um, And this was a chain plied that I did, Mm -hmm. Uh, short forward draft, again, my default. And I learned a lot. (laughs) It's not a perfect sweater, but the biggest compliment I got was that when I walked in and showed it to my office mate and I said, yeah, I made this. And she said, you made that? It looks like you bought it from the store. (laughs) And, you know, some people might say, well, that's not why I want to use my hand spun. I want it to look homemade. But I was really proud of the fact that my yarn was so consistent yep. that it looked like a commercially produced product. Because that was the first time I had gotten that that look with my hand spun, something really consistent. That's Yeah, that's great. It's a, it's a lovely sweater. Um, so what would you say spinning has given you other than yarn? Um, it's given me a nice relaxing hobby where I can put on a show and sort of zone out from the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes depending on what's going on in my mind, sometimes I'll think about my, my research while I'm spinning. Um, I can sort of mull over a, 
a problem that I'm having and try to sort of um, that Einstein, the Eureka idea, right? As your brain does something else, it's working yep. on a, a complex problem in the background. And yeah. so sometimes I'll, I'll get that out of my spinning, but most of the time I just get a relaxing moment where I can turn my brain off and focus on something really rhythmic and soothing um, and not be stressed and, and worried about, you know, my day to day. Mm-hmm. And do you find that as you develop more skill, which I can absolutely see you doing in the, in the various groups that you're in with me, do you find that it gets easier to get into that meditative place with your spinning or does, or because it could work the other way too, right? Like that you're suddenly as new options open up to you, that it becomes sort of more complex. And I'm interested in your experience with that. Yeah. It depends on what I'm doing. So, um, there's certainly more things now where I can enter that meditative state. So for example, before, if I was doing my default short forward draft, that's the only way I could get into that. And any other draft style required a lot of focus and attention. And now um, I've gotten enough practice that I've been able to do long draw from the fold with that same meditative state. Mm -hmm. So I think as I'm getting more advanced in some of these drafting techniques, I am more easily able to enter that, um, that sort of state of mind. But there are, if I'm trying something new, if I'm trying to incorporate a new draft or maybe working on a, a diameter that's a diameter of singles, that's not my default, then I, I can't go into that sort of relaxed state because I have to focus or I'll slip into my default. Um, right, right. So I would say it's easier for me to get there if I'm doing something that I'm comfortable with, a draft style or a spinning style I'm comfortable with, um, which is nice. I have more options for how I want to spin my yarn while still getting that relaxation. Right, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And also sometimes I find that I need something that, I'm, that I need to focus on a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like if my head is very busy, um, it, it actually can help me get more relaxed to have to, to be doing something that's a little bit difficult for yeah, me. Cause it'll force you to focus on, on the yarn and the yes. fiber instead of whatever's swirling around. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I can see that. Yes. Instead of like whatever the current dumpster fire of the day is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Alyssa, tell me why you spin in five words or less. I spin for relaxation and knitting. Okay. Okay. (laughs) That about sums it up. All right. Very good. Very good. Anything else that you want to share? I would just say like, keep, you know, don't get down on yourself as you're learning, embrace your early projects and just keep trying new things. Um, I would say from being in the sheep spot, I went back to basics a lot because like Mm -hmm. we talked about, I only ever had two spinning lessons on a wheel. Um, And going back to the basics has really shown me um, a lot more control and opened up new styles of spinning, which have then, you know, led me to different yarns and, and new knitting projects. So just, you know, keep learning, keep trying things and don't be afraid to fail with your fiber well, thank you very much. Yes, don't be afa- afraid to fail with your fiber because you can't really fail with fiber. You can just learn a new thing. Yep. Even yep. if you think it's, you know, 
not the most beautiful thing in the world. You still you can, can, learn you can so still much. knit with it. You can still make something and then you'll learn from those mistakes. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Alyssa. I really, I really enjoyed this and I appreciate your taking the time to do this. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. This was a lot of fun. So my darlings, that is it for me this week. I will be back next time with another interview. And I think you're really going to want to hear this one. Uh, It's with my student, Bridget, and she's an amazing weaver. And we talk about all sorts of things. Um, Don't forget to sign up for One Fiber Five Ways. If you're in the flock, just go to courses and then find One Fiber Five Ways. It should be right at the top and click on it and go ahead and sign up. That way you'll have access to all of the videos and other materials. If you are not yet in the flock, go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash one fiber five ways. That's all one word. And the numbers are numbers. They're not spelled out. Lovelies, I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Go spin something. these podcasts and would like to work more closely with me, you should definitely check out the Sheep Spotter Society, my membership community for inquisitive spinners who want to spin with more confidence and joy while making yarns they absolutely love. As a Sheep Spotter Society member, you'll get access to our private online membership site where we go deep into a new spinning topic every single month with video lessons, monthly Q&As, and virtual meetups. And you'll join a vibrant, caring, supportive community that's as passionate as you are about spinning, fiber, and creating with hand-spun yarns. You can sign up to get more information and receive a notification the next time membership opens at sheepspot.com slash T-S-S. That's sheepspot.com slash T-S-S, which stands for the Sheepspotters Society. I would love to have you join us.